0: Take your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I, uh, I was thinking about Mother's Day and the message that we preach. And I think, I, I can't get up here and understand what moms go through. I really can't. And I, and I know that if moms were to testify of their love and their dedication and like, man, all the things that you've been through. And man, it's amazing. I, I look at my mom I look at what all she's done in my life. I, I look at my wife. I, I look at uh, how much I've been blessed, that God's blessed me with a mom that raises our kids. It was such a joy for me to see Morgan and Jenny stand on the stage and sing together. That's our heart. That's our passion. I want to, to lead them to follow Jesus Christ. That's our goal. And that's what I know every mom here, that's you are. I want them to do right. I, God's blessed me with some amazing kids, uh, My son, Jordan, or us with some amazing kids. I'm not leaving you out of this. I know it's Mother's Day, so. Uh, Our oldest son, Jordan, is 20 years old. It's weird for me to say that I have a kid now in his 20s. uh, Morgan that was on the stage, she's about to have a birthday. She's about to turn 15. And Logan is about to have a birthday. He's about to turn 18. Logan will be going off to college in Pensacola, Florida, Pensacola Christian College in August. And there's the same college that I went to, same college that I met Jenny at and when, when I was uh, 18 years old. So it's really, it's a lot of flashbacks for me, like this, all, all this going on. It's really weird. And I started thinking about the impact that my mom had during that time. Now, I've told you guys this before, I didn't grow up in a home that had money. We just didn't. We, we, we were broke. We struggled all the time. Uh, my, my, my dad uh, worked really hard I didn't have a lazy dad by any means He was a hard worker But we just lived and we struggled all the time I Remember going off to college I mean if you guys know Has anybody checked college prices lately? It's crazy It is astronomical And I remember telling my parents I'm going to college And they were like There's, uh, You know that we don't have the money to pay for that for you I, I, they, they struggle just to put food on the table And things like that And I remember, I said, I was just determined to do it. So I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. I'm trying to do everything that I can to prepare myself to go off to college. And I got to the point where the bills started coming due. And I had the list of stuff that I had to buy and books and all this stuff. And I went to my mom and I said, mom, I really want to to do this, but I can't. I can't. I said, I, I, I don't have the money. I, and she said, you're going to do it, son. You've got this. And I said, mom, I can't even buy shoes to put on my feet. I wasn't joking. I had this whole list of stuff that I had to buy and that I needed. I said, mom, I can't even go buy shoes. How am I going to go to college? It's not going to happen. My mom grabbed me and she said, come here for a minute. She brought me into her bedroom and she opened her top drawer and she pulled out this envelope and she had $500 that she'd saved and put into an envelope. And I know for you, you're sitting there saying, I know how much college costs and, 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 and how much things cost and shoes and everything like that. $500 was nothing. but It was everything to me. Because I knew that my mom scrimped and she saved and she did everything to be able to give to me. And that's exactly what I needed because it gave me my first step to be able to go buy the things that I need. It gave me my first step to be able to pay for the gas, to drive down to college. It, It set me up to be at Pensacola to be able to meet my wife. Months later... I surrendered the full-time ministry. Months later from that, I surrendered the switch college to go to a full-time Bible college. From there, I graduated. Jenny and I graduated from there, and we came here. And you say, well, what's the big deal? If it wasn't for the sacrifice of the little things back here with my mom, I would not be where I'm at today. It matters. It matters. And sometimes we get so caught up. And thinking it doesn't matter what I do, and I'm not good enough as a mom, or I'm not good enough as a Christian, or I'm not good enough because I'm trying so hard, but I'm just falling behind. And I go back to my mom and remind her all the time. I said, Mom, I want you to know the little things that you did along the way made a big difference in my life. Huge difference. And I I, I thought with my mom, that was, to her, she did it out of love because she sacrificed because she cared about that. It's amazing the love that parents have for their children. It's amazing the love that a mom has for their children. It's amazing. There was a guy or a lady named Louise. Uh, her, her name was Louise Bundy. Has any of you heard of her before? All right, has any of you guys ever heard of Ted Bundy? That, that guy, has any of you heard him? Yeah, not, not so great of a guy. Ted Bundy was arrested and put uh, was sentenced to death uh, because he killed 30 people um, over the course of five years. His mother stood by his side all the way until he died, vowing that he was innocent and that she loved him and that she would stand by him no matter what. you talking about the love of a mother, no matter what. Now, I know a lot of you guys are going to walk out of here and say, what did you guys talk about? Well, he talked about mothers and Ted Bundy. I don't know what that was about, so <laughs> show me some grace. But I just thought about how how bad your kids can be and how far love will go. You know, you just say, my kids mess up. And the one thing that is guaranteed is the parents standing by their side through all of this. It's amazing the love of a parent. But I started thinking about the love that God shows to us through different relationships. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the subject of relationships. And I said, did you notice how every relationship that we have is paralleled in our lives to our relationship with God? We are the bride of Christ. You've got marriage there. So if you're in that walk, you can understand, okay, I get that. I understand that. We're a friend of God. There's no greater love than this that a man lays down his life for his friends. Jesus was teaching that. We get that friendship. But then there's the aspect of us being the children of God. God shows us and demonstrates us these different aspects of this. Well, let me teach you something. And I'm not just talking to moms, I'm talking to all of us today. Paul was writing to the the Romans and he was trying to convert them or help them understand the difference of where they were to where they're now. Man, because the Old Testament was about... Uh, law and working and striving and doing your best and trying to achieve. And, and it was always about them falling short. And I think we struggle with this as well. It's human nature to base relationships on performance. I'm a better kid because of how much that I do, or I'm a better spouse because of all that I do. A lot of times we base our relationships or love based on performance. And I know we've talked about some of these things in the past. Paul wrote the book of Romans to explain how salvation through Jesus Christ was not about works, but about a relationship. Turn to Romans 3.23. Let me explain a concept with you guys. And, And I'm saying this because of the fact is I want us to fully understand this relationship that God is giving us. He's teaching them the way that it used to be. I want you guys to understand the way that it used to be. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God... For all have sinned, and I'm telling you, that was where our condition was before Jesus Christ. Now, the come short, that phrase in that means to fail. It literally means to fail, to not obtain. So the idea of the Old Testament, no matter what they did or how hard they worked, they always failed. If they strived to be a good person, if they did the sacrifice, no matter what, the, the law was there to prove to them that they always fell short. They were never good enough. They could not be good enough. The sacrifices were not enough. So they lived in this constant state of the mindset that I have failed. I'm not good enough. You think about how this is ingrained in our minds of the human nature of man. Of I fail. I fail. We know what that means to fail. I'm not worthy to be loved by God. I messed up a lot. Maybe you've been out of church for a while and you just have, man, God doesn't love me. I'm a second-rate person or second-rate Christian. I don't pray enough. I, I, my prayers aren't like so-and-sos, and I, I don't have that depth of my prayer. I'm not eloquent with my prayers. I don't give like everybody else. So we start ranking ourselves in God's eyes. God has all these children, and God has all these people, but I'm less than the others, or I'm not as good, I'm not as loved. People look at preachers and say, no, that's somebody that God loves, Because of the fact is that we stand on a stage and use our Bibles and preach the Word of God, and we have this idea, well, the performance that they do, or the, the work that they do, or how much they put into the Christian life must elevate them up. That is man's way of looking at it. But we're so stuck in that old way of, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that we can go before God constantly feeling like God is mad at us, or I've messed up or I'm failure. So look at Romans 5.1. We're going to go to Romans 8, but I want I'll lead up to this. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory. So there was a transition. You guys know I speak with my hands a lot. Okay, so let me illustrate here. So this was the old man. This is this side will represent who I was, the falling short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Failure, mess up, not good enough. So now God gives us illustration for this. And he says, by whom we also have access into his grace. That's Transitional. Okay? It's no longer where you are. And I know we say this in different parts, and the whole gospel is illustrated about who we used to be. Excuse me why I take a drink of water. Of who we used to be. God took us access by faith into grace. I don't deserve to be here, but God transitions me to grace, and it says, wherein we stand. And grace and where we stand is talking about a position. You see, over here, it was conditional. It was based on what I did. Over here, it's positional. It's where I stand. It's where I'm placed. We sit there and say, well, I still don't get that. I don't understand. Do I still have to achieve the grace of God or the blessings of God Or through that? Roman explains begins, Romans 8 begins to explain what this looks like. There's this drastic change. It tells Christians how to think, how to correctly view ourselves. Starts making some powerful statements. Romans 8, 1. And we'll be here for the rest of the day. Well, not the rest of the day. I don't want to scare some of you that are visiting with us. (laughs) The rest of this sermon. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now. Do you notice how it was like then And now, in this spot, there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, there is now no condemnation. That, That phrase is talking about there is nothing left to condemn you. There's nothing left that can be held over your head, thrown in your face, or brought up to change who you are. There's nothing that can do this anymore. If you are in Christ, there is now no condemnation. You are made right in the eyes of God who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Bible does not say that there is now no failures, okay? Did you notice that? It doesn't say there's now no failures to those that are in Christ Jesus. The Bible doesn't say that there's now no mistakes in those. The Bible doesn't say that there's now no consequences in those. But it does say that there's no condemnation, which literally means that there's nothing that can remove me from that spot, bookends here, okay? Look at the end of this chapter, verse 38, 39. And then he says, the mindset, I've got this. He said, i got this now. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from this. You know, I... I we get this. It's like, okay, Pastor Tony, I get it. If I'm a believer, I stand in Jesus Christ. It's now positional. It's not earning it. I'm no longer falling short. But you know what the problem is? Is we always got this mind going all the time that battles us. You know what I'm, you guys know what I'm talking about. Man, as a mom, you're trying to do your best, and you get mad, and you yell at your kids, and you're thinking, no good Christian would ever do that. Man, I'm a terrible, God, I'm sorry, I'm just, and we, we, we've got this idea that I've just fail, 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 I'm not good enough. Man, we do this as dads, it's like, man, I, I messed up, or I yelled at the kids, or I yelled at the neighbor, or I got mad and flipped somebody off in traffic, I just, you know, if people just get mad, and we get in our flesh, and we do really stupid things, and then we start to question ourselves. Or we, we've been out of church for a while, or we, we've slacked off in all these things, and we begin to begin to battle in our minds, does God love me? Or if I'm even really saved or even a Christian when it comes to this. Reminds me how chapter 7 ends. He says, verse 24, oh, wretched man that I am. You know, it's just, I'm building up to something, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain this, this mindset, this battle that we have. Oh, wretched man that I am. Man, I'm just, I'm just nothing but a mess up. All I do is screw things up all the time. But in the middle of the chapter, God paints a picture to visualize this relationship. He brings it down to our level. He takes all those that battled with this for all this time, knowing the transition and everything, and he says, I'll just explain it this way. And, he tie, and this ties into Mother's Day so much because we understand this concept. Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, listen to this, they are the son, of sons of God. Now notice this is declarative. It's describing relationship. No, he's comparing it before. So over here, it was a matter of there was distance. It was God, I, I'm falling short. I'm not good enough. And so we have this image of us standing there separated before God saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I wish I had you in my life. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. This this defiled man, this separation, the wall that was between them and the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And God says, no, no, no. You are now a child of God. And God begins to paint this picture of what we're celebrating even here on Mother's Day of the love, the relationship, the connection, the bond, this, this relationship that is indescribable in any other way, of, the, of a sacrifice of what they would do no matter what it takes, and begins to describe a child of God. A new way of looking at our relationship. Now, by the way, I've heard people say, well, we're all the children of God. And you guys have heard that say, people, lost people and world people will say, well, we're all the children of God. Let me tell you, you are not a child of God outside of salvation. And we were all created by God. And don't get me wrong. We were all created in the image of God. And let me back this up with scripture. John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, that which is born of flesh or which were born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Something that God did in your life. John chapter three talks about this. It talks about uh, you must be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. But you have to be born again, born into a family. It's a relationship. It's what God was proving through this. If you have been born again, you are a child of God. But we have these descriptions. We say I am a servant of God. I'm a disciple, or I'm a follower. I'm a believer. But I want to focus on this one. You are a child of God. And as a child, what does this mean? Number one, pulling this straight from these verses that we're here, number one, you are never alone. This is so important for us to understand because they dealt with constant separation. Even for the fact of the Old Testament, when they were following God out of Egypt... It was, it was a pillar of fire. It was, it was the tabernacle. It was walls. If you notice in the tabernacle, they had the Holy of Holies. There was always something that separated. Even the children of Israel, as they followed the tabernacle around, they had the big wall around. We teach that in Sunday school and classes. And, you know, it was always symbolizing you are on the outside. But now that he's illustrating this idea of being the children of God, he's changing it. <clears throat> For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear, fear, you, you, you don't drag that over here. Don't drag that spirit of rejection over here. The idea of being cast out, the idea of being not good enough, the idea of not adding up, the spirit of rejection, the spirit of fear, it's a mindset. Remember what we're talking about the spirit of a man, the inner man, the inner thoughts of what you're having. And before it was the idea of always like this, Man, God, I, I, I hope God's not mad at me. And when we have Christians that are not boldly going before the throne of grace, grace, and asking God and embracing God, we almost are having this bondage of fear on this side. When God says, "No, I've not saved you. I've saved you from that, not to bring that into you." How close is He to us? When He says that we're never alone, He illustrates this in the Old Testament how far away they were from God all the time because of the fact is they were always separated. But in the New Testament, he draws this transition. He says, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. Now, I preached this principle when Jesus was given the illustration of how to pray in the book of Matthew. He prayed, our Father, which is in heaven. But he even draws it a closer application of this when he says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Just crying out is just, us dads get this. I I remember a while back, It was about four years ago. I told you that Jordan It's 20 years now. He was was driving over by Children's Hospital, and there was a bunch of people that were illegally parked on the side of the curve, and so they had all these vans and stuff, and there was all these no parking, no parking, no parking signs all the way down this curve, and they filled the curve up. The reason why they had that is there so that you could see past to be able to pull out. So Jordan's in his Honda Civic. He's edging up to the edge of this and he's trying to look around. You guys have all been there. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're trying to look around and you're like, I need to go. I can't see it. I'm trying to wait. You can't back up. You can't. People are honking behind you, all that other stuff. And finally he thought, okay, it's okay to go. And he pulls out and this car clobbers him, trashes his car, pushes up into the embankment. I mean, his his car is literally just like you see in the movies where the hood is up and the smoke's coming out and all this other stuff. So here I am. I, I, I can't even remember where I was at. I just remember getting this phone call. And it's it's Jordan, and I answered, and he says, "Dad, I just totaled my car." And I said, "You know, you know how it is being a dad." I said, "Son, I'm busy right now. What, what's did you? I, I don't have time for this. Are you alive? Are you okay? You know, I was just like, you know, did, is the car okay? Did, did you mess up our car? Does it, Do any of you believe that that's how I responded to this?" <laughs> it's like, I said, Jordan, where are you? I dropped everything that I had going on. I got in my car, and to be honest, yes, I sped. And I got to him as fast as possible. You say, what was it that he had to do to do that? The Bible says you understand that through life, no matter what you face or no matter what you have on your heart, the position that God has placed us in as a child of God, in that position, you cry out in that moment, Dad! I need you, Abba, Father. Literally, the description of Daddy, Daddy, of crying out to the Father in that moment that blew their minds. Say, wait a minute. If I've done wrong, I need to hide in shame. I need to be like Adam and Eve in the Garden. And I and he says, No, you don't understand. If you've done wrong, you cry out to the Father to be rescued. Without me, you can do nothing. It's not about you being by yourself. You are never alone. I never want my kids to have that mindset that they have to approach me with fear or that they have to be, get an appointment or whatever. It's the idea that we can boldly go before the throne of God. I ask you this questions as parents or moms. What can your kids, what can your kids do that they can't tell you about? What is it that makes you unapproachable or are you ever unapproachable? Is there ever a time that you don't care and you're sitting there saying, are you kidding me? I don't care if my kids woke me up in the middle of the night. I, I don't care if they wrecked the car. I don't care if they, if they, they got in trouble. I don't, I don't care if they're in jail. I mean, you care, I know. But you're saying, I, I, I want my kids to know that I am the constant in their life. And no matter where you're at, you can cry out to me and I am there. It's who he is. He's describing this to them, and it's blowing their minds. And he says in this verse, and, and let me tell you, this is all new to them. In verse 16, he says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's an interconnection. Of God showing up in those situations and giving us peace that goes beyond understanding and giving us guidance and giving us deliverance and giving us wisdom and everything that we need in life, God says, you not only call unto me, my spirit bears witness with your spirit. I'm always going to be that connection. I'm always going to be there. There is no place that you can go to separate you from the love of God. He's teaching this principle through this. He takes it so far in verse 26, he blew their mind with this. It says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That word help in this passage right here literally means to take hold of together, to assist or to help. I'm literally saying in that minute when you're so broken out, and, and trust me, we've all been there. Some of you are there right now. You're just saying, man, I'm all alone in this. I have no words to say. I can't even get the words out to pray. That's what that description. You're crying yourself to sleep. I'm broken in my heart. I can't get through to my kids. My spouse doesn't understand. And the Bible says my spirit bears witness with your spirit and connects with you and prays and intersects and, and intercedes and helps you to come alongside in a way that only the Holy Spirit of God can do. The ministry of that. It's like a mother holding her child after they cry after they fell off their bike or when you pray over your brokenness of your kids or no matter where you're at, it's, it's the matter that you cry out to God and God intervenes. He's always there. As a child of God, you are never alone, but as a child of God, you are greatly loved. You said, so, well, that's kind of a stretch in this passage. You've got to understand the wording of what's being said. The Romans during this time they, 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 they had adoption in a way that we don't have adoption, okay? In our adoption, you're our adopted kid. And I know we, we'll, we won't view that way and call them labels on them that, but they're, they're not the same thing as the biological kids in a lot of families. They don't have the same inheritance or whatever. But in the Roman days, if you were an adopted child, you, you became and had every rights as everybody else in the family. That's why the Bible says we are not just adopted, but it says join heirs with Christ. Literally, we we are combined to every benefit that there is as a Christian. You're never a second-rate or second-hand Christian whatsoever. You're joint heirs. But the spirit of adoption that I said, the spirit of adoption, the mindset, the bonding of what he's talking about was adoption. Now, I know we have the illustration. We all understand to be born in the family of God. I'm born again. I'm saved. All those different illustrations. But here is the idea of adoption. See, adoption is a choice. Have you ever talked to anybody before, and they're talking about the big gap between their kids, and you start asking them, wow, how'd your kids get such a big gap between them? And you go, well, uh, well, you see, uh, they weren't planned. Or there's a not-so-big gap between your kids. And you're talking about the difference, uh, and the distance there. It's just that they weren't planned. God was saying this wasn't an accident or just randomly happened in your life. God said, when it comes to adoption, I pursued you. I wanted you. I went after you. Adoption means desire. Adoption literally means to place from here into the place of a son. He desires you, he takes pleasure in you. You guys have heard Jen and I talk a lot about this. It's just a weird space that we're in right now in, in our lives and with our kids and stuff. It's Morgan. My baby girl is going to be getting her permit this year. That just blows my mind. My second son is going to be living in another state by the end of this year. That blows my mind. Jordan is now 20 years old, and God's done all these different things in his life, and he's doing things back and forth with the Philippines. And it's, We're slowly becoming these empty nesters. And can I just say, it drives me crazy I love my kids very much, and I'm not saying that I want my kids to live with me until they're 40. I'm not saying that by any means, okay? But at the same time, let me just make it very clear. I take great pleasure in my kids being with me. I do. I love having vacation. I love having conversations. I love having late nights. I love having movie nights. I love having game nights. I love hanging out. I take pleasure in having my kids with me. The whole illustration that God tries to paint over and over again is the fact that every time God illustrates what He does for us, it's combined with pleasure, not obligation. Let let me illustrate. The Bible says in Psalms 149 For the Lord taketh pleasure in His people, it's not obligation. Notice when God talks about salvation in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Anytime you talk about John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the sacrifice that he did for us is always combined with the love that he has for us. Why does God do what he does for us? Because God greatly loves us. In the love that he's trying to explain to us, he says, and think about it as, you, as your kid, he takes great pleasure when we walk up to him and say, Dad, can I talk to you? He takes great pleasure when we spend time with him, when we worship him. When we come into a service like this and we stand up and we start singing praises to God, God takes pleasure in you. God loves you. He says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. He said, how did you become the sons of God? He said, behold what manner of love the Father had poured out on us. We can't, we, we will battle in our flesh over and over again with the fact of, am I loved? And God turns around and says, do you realize that the very fact that you are a child of God is symbolic of the fact that he loves us that much? He says as a child of God, he, he says, you'll never be alone. As a child of God, get this in your head, how much that I love you, that very symbolism of you celebrating Mother's Day and in a few weeks, Father's Day, of that relationship. God says, you get that, that I I love you, want that relationship the same way. But the last thing we see in this is the fact that you're not only never alone and that you're greatly loved, but you're totally secure. And I think this is important for us to understand because this gets lost in our concept of salvation. And I'm going to be teaching on this in a few weeks, but he said in Romans eight fifteen, For you have not received the Spirit again to fear. Fear. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. That, 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 that mindset or the thing that invades our mind to make us fearful or rejected or fear of what could happen is a result of my actions. But instead, God gives us peace with God. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is an inner assurance, a place of belonging. Uh, Let me illustrate it like this. Um, There's things that we do that end up making us not have peace in our life. And it's usually like, I don't belong here, this isn't right. So I went to Panera Bread uh, a few few days ago, it wasn't too far long ago, and I I was leaving and I was going out to my car and I was in the zone because I had a bunch of stuff to do, so I'm on my phone and I'm, I'm, I'm texting, I'm looking at my calendar, stuff like that. I walk out, get in my car, and I'm sitting there, and then I start getting discouraged. I'm just being honest, I thought, I am a slob. I'm looking down on the floor and I'm thinking, I have not vacuumed my car out in forever, then I then I turn around and look at it. And it's like I had a McDonald's cup, and I'm thinking, what in the world? It's like I, I don't even remember going to McDonald's. How do I have a McDonald's cup in my car? I look over my shoulder, and there's a there's a a, a car carrier for babies. There's a <laughs> stroller and stuff, and I'm thinking, I don't have a baby. <laughs> and this, have you ever noticed that your 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 brain is processing it, but it's not putting the pieces together? And I am sitting there going, what is wrong? It was the exact same car, unlocked, and right next to my car, and I got in the wrong car. And Now, now I jumped out really fast, and I was looking around like, you know, like I just did something bad, because I, I didn't want to be that pastor that goes to prison for Grand Theft Auto. You know, it was like... It's like, what, what is wrong with me? But I can tell you when I'm sitting there and I'm looking around, I never thought I'm in the wrong car. There's just something. My heart was racing like something isn't right. Something isn't right. Something isn't right. I knew something wasn't right. So, so in the same period of time, and I know you guys are going to think, man, you just have issues, dude. I know I do. <laughs> we, we, me and uh, Jordan, Logan, Michael Whitaker, a few of us, we all went up to... Uh, we went to Top Golf and we played like two hours of golf and had a great time. And we were getting ready to leave, and we had like a 35 minute drive back. And I said, Guys, I'm gonna to run to the restroom really fast. There, let me remind you something. My buddies, my, my kids were with me during this time and watched me walk into the women's bathroom. <laughs> Do you know what they did to stop me? Nothing. <laughs> they stood there and laughed. Totally just thought it was funny. Now I go in there and I'm standing in the women's bathroom trying to find where the urinals are. And I'm like, what kind of dumb place doesn't know how to put urinals? And then that feeling came over me. (laughs) That run as fast as you can before you get arrested. (laughs) And it is like it's like what is wrong? There is no peace. Because I was in a place that I did not belong. There's a place in Alabama. It's 325 Henderson Greenville uh, Greenville Road, Somerville, Alabama. It is right off I-65, five minutes away. I walk into that house, and that is my mom and dad's house. Has been from the time that I was a kid. I go in there. I take whatever I want out of the fridge, I kick off my shoes, I sit on the couch, and I'm at total peace that I am where I belong. Total peace. I never worry about somebody going in there, dude, you're in the girl's bathroom, you need to get out of here. (laughs) Don't have this, you're in the wrong car, dude. There's no, that inner peace that I'm in the wrong place because I'm where I belong. You say, why are you, why do you belong there? Why do you have rights to be there? Because I am their child, and that's where I belong. God's trying to illustrate through this is the fact that as children of God, you have been placed into a place of sonship. You don't earn it. You don't work towards it. You don't maintain it. My children were placed in my life because I love them, the idea that he says in Romans five one, he says, therefore, being justified, made right, no longer falling short, no longer failing in your spiritual life. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ, and from that, man, our our minds battle, man, our minds will battle, man, who I belong, am I good enough? Man, God, I've let you down, and I'm not a good enough Christian. Man, I wonder if God's going to kick me out. I wonder if I've lost my salvation. I can't go back to church. I've been out too long. Man, I've had so many habits in my life, Oh, all this stuff. And God ends the book, and he said, or this chapter, and he says, can I, can I just speak to your brain for a minute? Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Now listen to this. He could have just said, Nothing. Nothing! He doesn't. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? See how he's just rattling off one thing after another? Because our minds, if God puts one thing to rest, we think of another thing. It's like, yeah, but God, I did this. Or God, what about this? And what did... And guess Stop, stop, stop. For it is written... For thy sake. They were killed all the day long, and we are counted as sheep to the slaughter. But nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You say, more than conquerors, what's more than a conqueror? I'm not just a conqueror, I'm a child of God. And he finishes up with this saying, For I am persuaded. You know what persuaded is that I'm in my mind. I am convinced. He says, Say, hey, you belong here. I'm persuaded. And he goes through the list again. He goes, That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor other creatures shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So here we are, this separated God. God, I, I hope I'm good enough. God, I know I've fallen short. God, I know, I know, I know. God changes the script and he says, Let, let me just paint a picture for you. Maureen, you got a second, sweetie. This is my youngest. God says, this is what I want you to see instead. She, she doesn't have to earn this. Can you guys hear this? She is here because I wanted her in my life. I, I need you to kind of maybe for a minute explain this right here because you're sitting there saying, so wait, wait a minute, now it's a father and a daughter. You're like, I thought we were talking about our salvation. No, we're talking about God's illustration of what he did for us. God's trying to grab our attention and say, Can I can I tell you who you are? Can I illustrate who you are? You say that all have fallen short of the glory of God. God says, no, no, no. She calls out to me, listen, I will drop everything at any point in time. And my kids know this. I will be there. You say, Why? Because I love my kids. They are in my family, in a relationship. Call out to me and I will answer thee and I will show you the great, mighty things. The, the, the Bible talks about the love of God. Let me tell you, my kids know that I love them. But I'll tell you, if Morgan came up to me and said, dad, dad, what, what, what's the matter? I just don't want you kicking me out of the house. Can you imagine? Would that make any of you dads sick to your stomach saying, what? Kick you out? Have the idea that you're no longer my kid? Neither death, or life, nor any other creature, or any failure, or any problem <laughs> shall ever be able to separate you from the love of God. And I love this in the Romans we talk about that adoption as sons of being secure in Jesus Christ. The idea that I want her to know this is where she belongs. It's a connection, it's unity, it's a bond. My spirit bears witness with your spirit. what? That you are a child of God. God wraps his arms around us like this all the time. He gives us that peace, the calm assurance, the wisdom and the grace and the conversations and call unto me and I'll speak to your heart and mind constantly. But that adoption that he said, it was really cool during that day and age because the idea that he was given is the fact that all that I have, and I don't care how poor you were before, I don't care what your background was, when you were adopted You are not just heirs, not just heirs, but joint heirs with Christ, literally meaning all that you have, I have it, and it all belongs to you. Everything that she would possibly need, she has direct access because of the relationship that she has with the Father. And nothing will ever, ever, ever change that. And I preach this message to them. I am for you. I love you. I stand behind you. I want you to prosper. I want you to move forward. I want you to, I want, I want the best for you. And then you just say, wait, wait a minute. But but, but but no, 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 no. Listen to a dad, listen to a mom, listen to a parent. You have no idea how much I stand firm and solid and, and, and pushing you forward in this relationship. Thank you, sweetie. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? If you are saved. You are a child of God.